Hello, everyone. Welcome to Orthopod. I'm here with another friend and colleague, and I've been uh, very, very lucky in my life to be able to meet so many wonderful people. This is uh, uh, Dr. Umar Butt, who is a consultant orthopedic surgeon um, with a specific interest in sports injury and joint replacement of the uh, shoulder and the knee. He currently resides uh, in Pakistan, has been working there for the last few years. Uh, thank you so much um, for participating. Tell me a little bit about the situation in Pakistan right now. Uh, Mohit, thanks very much for, for the invite. Always a pleasure seeing you and meeting you. Uh, I think uh, it's it's obviously a very um, difficult moment for a country like Pakistan, especially where you know the system of health education and health support is very different from the developing countries. Uh, but at the same time, there is always a hope. The hope is that the number of our mortalities are much less comparing to developed countries, and that can be multifactorial. We can debate about that as we go along. Obviously, daily wages are the biggest issue for Pakistan because people here earn on a daily basis. And that was the biggest stress for our country that how these people will manage because the social support is not as good as comparing to uh, developed countries. So it was very difficult time for us when the COVID-19 started in February and it hit Pakistan in March and we started the lockdown somewhere in mid-March. So it's been March, April and May and everything is locked down. But for the last two weeks, the prime minister of our country decided after looking at the numbers, after looking at the scientific evidence that the number of mortalities much less till today, on average, the mortality is between 35 to 40. So they realized the fact that the people will actually suffer more from hunger and lack of resources rather than doing the lockdown because of COVID-19. So they have opened up the country with very strict rules, with SOPs, with social distancing, which obviously, as you can imagine, we live here in a very close society. A lot of people live together, so it is really difficult to manage social distancing. But despite that fact, the majority of the people who are slightly more educated are keeping the pace, are looking at it. And hopefully, we hope that the numbers will stay the same. And it's been almost more than, I would say, 75 to 80 days. And we are pacing along slowly. And now the work has opened up. So there is a bit fresh breath of air for the people to work, especially for the doctors as well. It was really a difficult time for the doctors working in the front line because we didn't have PPEs, we didn't have support. The total number of ventilators in Pakistan is not more than three and a half thousand, and that's it. With 250 million population, so it was really difficult. Maybe God is on our side, maybe there is luck, whatever you can say. But we are holding on tight, and we are working. And the country has opened up a little bit. The lockdown has eased. Imran Khan has used the name "smart lockdown." Let's okay. hope this smart lockdown works for us. So help me understand, okay, so this is very important because it seems that there's so much debate right now, Omar, on, you know, countries that have been more open, like a Sweden, for example, you know, that let people, you know, they haven't put all of the lockdown. And then there's been the other, I'd say, extremes where there's been full lockdown. What do you mean, I guess, by a smart lockdown? Like, is, is that still on the extreme? Like, what, what was the day-to-day -day life in lockdown environment? I think when the lockdown term was used, it means just like being in Italy, just like being in England, just like being in, in Spain, complete lockdown. Nobody is allowed to go outside the house. There is only you are allowed to go and get some food and things. Yeah. Unfortunately, unfortunately, in Pakistan, for the first two weeks of lockdown, we did maintain that. We were okay. very strict. We were very scared. All the people were obviously it was something new. The world was not prepared for it in Pakistan yeah. with the health system was not prepared for it. So this yeah. decided that we will do a very strict lockdown. Now, you need to understand that only big cities were able to achieve that target like Karachi, yeah. Islamabad, Lahore, 
uh, Faisalabad, yeah. but cities, small villages and Gaon and all those small yeah. areas were very difficult to manage. People were aware of the coronavirus, but they were not able to lock it down. After a few weeks, they were doing daily meetings and they realized the fact that actually the best option will be because when you lock down the whole country like Pakistan, people will die of hunger, as I mentioned. So there's yeah. Imran Khan is quite educated guy, as you know, Oxford, yeah. uh, trained from Oxford, very, very yeah. world renowned yeah. cricketer. Yeah. He decided that with his team that no, we will not do that. Pakistan is different from other countries like India. If you look at the demographics, actually, interestingly, all African countries and Asian countries, Pakistan, Afghanistan, Nepal, India, the pattern has been the same for COVID-19. Mortality yeah. has never been massive. So he realized the fact that yeah. the best thing and the best move will be to do the smart lockdown. Now, what smart lockdown means? He decided that we will open up the construction industry where laborers are able to go and work. He decided that we will open up offices where there are social distancing can be maintained. He realized the fact that we will open up small businesses in which like bookshops. So once he opened that up, the people started to realize the fact that actually despite doing the smart lockdown and doing small businesses like construction business has got 32 industries attached to it, plumbing, yeah. electricity gas so these all businesses started to flourish a bit and started to pick up a bit and then despite that fact in two weeks of smart lockdown the number substantially did not increase then he realized the fact that actually it's much better to slowly gradually open up the system yeah. and now in the last two weeks he realized and he started to ease it a bit more but schools are closed uh, major events are closed, weddings are closed. Now we have also opened up shopping center with strict rules from nine o'clock to five o'clock. And also anything that is opened up is from nine to five. People have to follow the strict rules. And luckily we are still uh, not bad compared to other countries. Well, you know, you raised something that um, very few have actually discussed. And I think largely because it's your perspective uh, and the way you've seen life in many, many countries from your travels and your work. But <coughs> the one thing that I think we're seeing now, and I've written a little bit about it, Umar, has been that developing nations uh, for decades, decades and decades have been saying that, you know, healthcare access is not a privilege, it's a human right. Um, and this is the first time in the world, I think, that everyone is on the same feeling, like the, the developed nations are feeling access issues the same way that developing nations have felt it. But I still think that we are never going to be the same because for that one point you raised, which is in a developing nation, you know, this challenge already compounds an existing degree of burden um, and social inequity, um, you know, economic inequity that puts people at risk. And you're, you're the first to openly speak about that if we don't get uh, individuals back to work. I mean, they can die of hunger. Uh, there's been Lancet Global Health initiatives that are talking to this very point about the number of children's lives that have been lost from malnourishment, you know, and they call it a wasting, you know, the child wastes away with no food because the family can't provide. Those are extremely important issues uh, that you've raised. Let me just also ask you though, from the point of view of the orthopedic surgeon, the healthcare provider, uh, your colleagues, how have you all fared through all of this? I mean, there are stressors at all level, but from the point of view of the of your perspective, how has it been for you personally? Mohit, as, a, as an orthopedic surgeon, as a clinician, we believe in science. Now, 
the whole world were focusing on one thing because we were not prepared and that was COVID-19 pandemic. But I think it, at the same time, we forgot about many other important disease in my country, especially, which was polio. The only country in the world which still has polio, which was chickenpox, smallpox and other diseases. And now they have predicted that the number of lack of vaccination, which is happening in Pakistan, will lead to 3000 deaths of children per month to up to 15,000 deaths per month. If we will continue strict lockdown, we will not follow the rules of immunization. I'm talking about children in villages. I'm talking about children who are unable, whose parents are unable to afford the vaccination. So it will really become a difficult challenge for them. And that was the reason I think Imran Khan made a very smart move with his team to decide that actually, yes, guys, we do have COVID-19, but we also have very serious issues alongside with it. Now, when people argue about that we have to do strict lockdown, that's very fair enough. But you can only achieve strict lockdown in a situation where you can fulfill the desirement of your society. Now, people, when they are in the strict lockdown, they are closed in the house. You can't provide them milk. You can't provide them water. You can't provide them medicine. They will anyway go into depression and hunger. And the best thing will be to look at our numbers and then slowly, gradually open up the country, which we did. And because of that, we did not found a dramatic increase in the number of COVID-19 cases mortality. Now, that can be multifactorial. Factor number one, population of Pakistan, 70% is under 30 years of age. Factor number two, yes, maybe some science has proved malaria and BCG vaccination may have proved an important role. But I believe the biggest factor is that we already are living like a herds. All of us live together. In my family, I have got 17 children at this stage in my house playing around, enjoying partying in my house going on at this stage. In villages, people live together. In all the family members live in a small house together. So we are already quite used to being very close to each other with multiple viral infection, which was going on in Pakistan, like, for example, dengue fever, SARS and other things. So maybe our immunity has already developed. Second factor can be because in Pakistan, the people mortality, majority of them were over 65 years of age. An average age of Pakistani male is between 55 to 60 and females is between, I think, 60 to 65. So we die early and we have a lot of young population. So maybe that can be the factor which in next few months, scientific evidence will show. But at this stage, we are not seeing a massive rise in mortality and requirement of healthcare and pressure on the healthcare. We don't see that. Well, I mean, again, I, you raise many, many you know, very intriguing arguments as to why we might be seeing these differences. And it seems to me we can learn a lot from what you're doing and what's happening in Pakistan to the rest of the world. Part of this discussion, Umar, has been just that, opening dialogues, getting multiple points of view, and hopefully some of the viewers can apply some of these concepts and think about how they react you know, when they think about their own local environments. Let me just finish Thank off you. by asking, oh, go ahead, Paul, please. Yeah, and we also have started doing work, like our OPDs have opened up. It was a big dif difficulty for the surgeons yeah. and doctors if they were not working. Because remember one thing, there were a case scenario in Karachi, which is a big yeah. city, that 200 people came to the hospital and died. So this become a big news wow. media that what is going on. When they realized and did the digging and did the audit, they realized that these were those patients who used to come to the government hospital for their heart medicine diabetic yeah. medicine and they were lacking behind for the last four weeks so they were so unwell that when they came to the hospital they were already so sick yeah. so they decided that we will open up our opds with strict rules so we are following all the covid 19 rules as much as we can we do all patient testing we wear all the protective gears and we have started offering our patients services in opd and also elective surgeries 
And I think this should start in next few weeks in developed countries as well, if they can, because otherwise the backlog and the problems because of that will create such a message that we won't be able to handle it. Plus, obviously, issues with training of the registrars. Right. And that's exactly the point that you've ended on that I was hoping to chat with you about as my last question to you is when we think about managing this backlog, in some ways, Pakistan has been able to open things up in a way that allows you to start getting um, managing that. There are many, many other countries that are nowhere near ready to open up, but the number of patients just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. We also note now that for us in, um, you know, sort of in North America, it's with the summer coming, more traumas, you know, there's always that you know, sort of seasonal trauma increase. So the capacity issues are becoming an issue, but we're also reopening, which means we're gonna be seeing more surges of infections or what they're calling a second wave. It's very, very challenging time. When do you see yourself personally and your colleagues getting back to what we would call pre-COVID access to your patient care, whether it's clinical care, OR access, when do you see that returning to normal for you? If you had to guess, some months in the future. Mohit, it's a very difficult, it's a, I think it's one of the most difficult questions to answer because when this started, I'm sure you and me all believe that this will not happen oh. and in 15 days we'll be back to normal. I'm yeah, sure you it. and uh, me, all of us were telling our families that we will take our plane and we'll fly to uh, holidays yeah. and we'll do all our destination and it didn't happen. No. This, is a, this is a big, big new, yeah. something completely different world was not prepared. People do talk about Spanish flu, but that was so long ago that we don't know what was the reality and what happened. World has right. changed. Maybe we will change our style of life. Maybe the world will take another two years, three years. It's not ending very soon. That is for sure. I think yes. I would be looking at at least one and a half to two years before we will be sitting together in a conference room and giving lectures. Will it happen? Will it not happen? Nobody knows about it. But one thing is for sure, there will be a big difference between Europe, developing countries and underdeveloping, underdeveloped countries about the effect of COVID-19 and what was the reaction to it. That will be definitely something interesting to see in the next six months. Right. And so much right now is happening that we're in this information epidemic where everyone has a theory. I mean, you and I have theories, you know, and we're trying to gain as much insight. But only, only looking back at all the decisions that were made in time will help us understand which were the decisions that we have to move forward with the hope that we never have to go through this again. But the reality is, in cycles of history, we will go through this again. Whether we'll come out of it stronger from this experience is my hope. We, I, we all hope the same, like uh, you are sitting so far away from me, I'm sitting here, but there is definitely now um, the virtual reality, artificial, artificial intelligence will become probably yeah. the major role in our, in our life. We may not be able to meet as frequently, we may not be able to teach physically as frequently, and we may have to mentally prepare ourselves for this for many years to come. Maybe this is the future which we have to live with, and this is the new way of life we have to adjust to. But uh, there is one thing for sure that we must not lose hope. One thing for sure that we should stick together as, as, as one family, as the whole world should become as this event has actually made the whole world as one family. We are helping each other. We are teaching each other. We are talking to each other. Maybe we would have never been able to do that if COVID-19. So COVID-19 may have brought a lot of things positive in our, in our lives to learn from. On that note, Umar, thank you so much for taking time with us today, and we hope to have you back soon to give us more insights. Pleasure.